And now we go in the field to the Shearer's quarters on Bruni Island, just south of Hobart on the east coast of Tasmania. It's crafted using leftovers from Tasmania's apple industry. Architect John Wardle's award-winning Shearer's quarters is also built from shingles cut from old apple crates, discarded limbs from local pine trees and corrugated iron. It's a modest building and takes its cues from local history, the rugged terrain and the shape of the landscape. And if you look on our website, you can see some images up there as well. Here's Jan Ryan on site with John Wardle. So we're standing at the very edge of Storm Bay uh, and we can see across to this uh, southern flank of the Tasman Peninsula and the point where that terminates and the, the start of the Southern Ocean. It was at this point that Captain James Kelly, one of the pioneers of Tasmania's whaling industry and some of its early uh, agricultural practices, uh, built this house. Uh, as a maritimer, he built right on the edge of the cliff. A farmer would have built, in a practical way, hard up against the road, and so it's a one-and-a-half-kilometre driveway right down to he perched this little house. It looks like a really Irish seafarer's house, a two-storey dormant window, a teeny little cottage right on the edge of a cliff. How old is this cottage? It's always been gazetted as 1840, but it may be a few years earlier than that. And what's remarkable, the house was built... Pretty much, I'm not sure about the lining boards, but all of its structural timbers and everything from a small pit mill that they established here on the property. And we've been here in some amazing storms and it doesn't even squeak. It's, it's a remarkably rigid structure after 170-odd years. Now, you've built Shearer's Quarters next door. Why? Well, it was really Susan's idea. We originally planned to re- fully restore the old house and extend it quite substantially. And the thought was it'll take a long time, that'll be a sort of a year and a half's project. We'd have nowhere to live during that time. So Susan thought, why don't we then build a, a shearer's quarters, which the property does need. They can then have that in the long term and we use that as our temporary accommodation while we're doing this house. <laughs> as things happen, uh, our ambitions rose steadily throughout that project and what has started as a humble little place for shearers and friends um, became a much more intensive affair. This is a working sheep farm. Up until the construction of this, all our efforts gone into the landscape and the, the farming potential of the property. And here we are now in front of the shearers' quarters and what a tiny little corrugated iron wooden hut it is. Yes, well I'm pleased that that's the first impression you have of it because uh, a lot of the conceptual work was to make it as little as possible and as we walk inside that you'll see a sense of measurement to the whole house the lining boards set up a 700 millimeter grid that runs right through the house and orders everything it's the proportioning device for each of the rooms it locates the doors it it, uh, sets the framing for the windows and I just kept whittling it down and down and down until the spaces seemed right and about as small as plausible for what we wanted. And Part of what this little Shearer's hut is for you, it's an experiment in how to create new ways of living and use space in new ways. Yes, oh, absolutely. Here it appears absolutely shed-like, but it suggests uh, a whole series of relationships it has with the landscape, the structural history of the, the old house and the social history of the region. And it's a house that could have only been designed in this manner by becoming curious and investigating so much of the circumstances that surround it. Firstly, from an old photo we found from the 1940s, we realised this is the position of the old shearing shed. We found old footings and the old brick sheep yards and things by scoring away the 
Earth's surface. So that set in train the idea of a house that has a conversation with the old cottage. Well, let's go in and, and experience it ourselves. No shoes. No shoes. See. No shoes. What did the shearers do? Do they behave themselves? Yes, that's why there's a shoe rack. Yeah, well, the shoe rack is in the country. You've been walking off paddocks full of sheep dung, so no shoes inside, and the sheep rack is a strong reminder of that fact. So here we go. Door. Flyer screen door. Against the flies Keep the flies out. Day's work in the shearing shed. Oh, it's so warm and lovely. Uh, it's so beautifully framed. Well, the, the views then became the next part of this equation as we looked at the sighting, so uh, the broad, open-ended uh, east elevation directly out to Storm Bay and the view to the headland that you see out before you. At the same time, yeah, there's a there's the this transverse view through that positions the dining table and looks directly up to the shearing shed. See that sense of purpose, both its coastal views... The house slid back and forth many times on plan, but even when we first got down on site and the bulldozer was here levelling one small corner as it sat on this, perched itself on this part of the hillside, just at the last moment we slid the house back about another six or so metres. And that was partly as we set it out to get these views in the right position. So the house, there's still a lot of fine tuning and fine adjustment uh, that the process of engagement with our remarkable builders allowed us to do, which was a real luxury. The three walls of this house at the front are glass and wood, and now we're looking out across the northern uh, wall, which is where all the sun's coming in. Now, this does a few things. First, it provides the solar orientation. Yeah. Uh, and there's different kind of wood here, I can see. Well, the project started to be built in a fairly timely manner. It was, it was actually quite a fast process of construction until we met the problem of finding enough of this macrocarpa, Pinus macrocarpa, to form the internal lining or the primary internal lining. Pinus macrocarpa is one of those sturdy pine trees that you'll see as windbreaks throughout much of southern Australia. Um, we sourced it from about nine different suppliers, generally farmers or small timber millers, You'll notice as you walk down the house, away from the living room down through to the end bunk room, the timber becomes knottier. Uh, it's very varied. As pine trees, they have a lot of branches, a lot of small branches. I thought maybe as we're sorting the timber, we could sort it so the clearer timber is at the front of the house in the living area, and it becomes knottier. <laughs> it you, does um, indeed, it does. The house and you'll notice that the density of knots uh, occurs uh, a long way down the house. Now we're moving down the hallway to where the, the sleeping quarters are. Now, there's stories of packing cases that came from the apple industry in Tasmania in this house as well. These remarkable boxes, the sides are made out of three millimetre timber, so that as on the ships on the way to England, the boxes would flex rather than bruise the apple. So it's interesting, mm. even the mm. formatting of the timber. Also, when England joined the common market at the very start of the 1970s, it overnight killed off much of Tasmania's apple industry. And so with that knowledge, I started to think, gee, there must be some great purpose for that box timber other than kindling which is all it's been so I started to collect it and then I got the idea of using it to line all of the cross walls um, I realized the opportunity to then form this shingle pattern and yeah and we're uh, in the bedroom and the bedroom's lined with shingles from apple crates yeah and so and it's different in different rooms this is actually um, a blue gum in this room from another shed it's Tasmanian myrtle and so okay. they're from different sources and they so they recognize then the different parts 
of this hue and belly and the different sheds they're from. This is a an interesting room, the back room, the last room in the house, right up against the property, no garden, house in the paddock. This is a room full of bunks. Yeah, well, there's a sort of status to a shearing team and generally the rouseabouts, uh, the young personnel that throw the wool out and sweep the floor and do all of that are out on the veranda or the bunk room or that sort of place. So this is intentionally, even though it's at the end of a house, created as the bunk room for these guys. Mm. And intentionally, the whole of this west end elevation is a series of loos that open mm. up to give it the impression of a breezeway. Mm. And the image of the house, of course, is very beautiful, and you can see those on our website. John, thank you so much for showing me around the Shearer's Hut. Great. Thank you. And that is Jan Ryan having a chat to John Wardle, the architect. And as Jan said, you can find some images on our website, abc.net.au slash rn. And while you're online, why don't you pop over and like our Facebook page too and download the podcast from iTunes while you're at it.